Welcome to Wow Black, a seriously opinionated podcast, bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while black. If black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all black everything. Welcome back to Wild Black. We're glad you came back with us. You got Vince with you today. All right, back in the building. We got a hell of an episode today. Um, Check out DRS Studios. They do all the recording for us. Hit them up at drsatl.com. I can't lie, I'm I'm pumped. Like, real talk, I'm pumped about today's episode, man. What what you thinking about it over there? Man, I'm I'm loving this. You know, when it get real, and it always gets real on Wild Black, but sometimes it's just a little, little, it's a little more in your face. I think this one is going to be a little more... Like, I think in about Amanda Seals, how black am I going to have to get today? Like, we're going to get black today. Mm-hmm. Like, this, we ain't even light-skinned black. We are black black today. Right. African black. <laughs> yes. And and for, for the listeners, like, real talk, we we created Wild Black for a couple of reasons. And we touch a lot of topics, all of which matter to the African-American community, matter to black people in this nation. And I, I don't want you to think that we are slighting any of the other episodes because we're not. But... When we have an episode like what we have today, this is this is where Wild Black came from. It this originated. is the the dreams that we had, like our early conversations about how we were going to do this. Like uh-huh. it was rooted in episodes, like what we did with Eklund, what we did with yep. Mac, and what we're yep. doing again today. Like this is just yep. good stuff that matters. You're gonna walk away better and educated. Yep. We got a hell of a guest, but I ain't gonna tell you who it is yet. We gotta handle this business. <laughs> So, hopefully you know what Wild Black does, but in case you are listening for the first time, I want to hit you with it now. Wild Black does two things. We tell the stories of black folks in any industry or area who by choice or by force and due to their blackness, act with nuanced behavior. Think about when you're at work and you're code switching. Think about when you're trying to survive that police stop and go home both alive and free. We accompany those stories with expert opinion and information to help us all survive and thrive. Plus, we want to remind you that you're not alone. Everything you're feeling, we're feeling. It's not you by yourself. There are a nation of us that you can tap into and survive. The second thing, we tell the stories of struggle and success from us, for us, and by us that should inspire us to go and grow. We want you to be better. We want to be better. And collectively, we can all become better. But we don't do this for free. You listen for free, but we need something from you. Three things, as a matter of fact. We need you to share this podcast. If you're feeling what we're doing today, hit somebody with it. The information that we get, share it now. At the end, if you love it, send it to somebody who you think needs to know what we're talking about because I guarantee you, you'll be better by the end of this episode. Two, hit iTunes or whatever platform that you listen to us. Give us a five-star review. Yes. Leave some comments. Tell the world what you think about Wild Black. That stuff helps, I promise you. And the third thing, This is not a simple monologue. This is a dialogue. Talk to us. We got an email address, wildblackpodcast at gmail.com. Hit us on our IG. Sorry, my my children reminded me that IG is outdated. Hit us on the gram so I can be cool again. Hit us on the gram. (laughs) Oh, that's the the gram. gram, I I call it IG. My daughter's like, Dad. None of I know what that is. Call it Insta or the gram. So hit us on the gram (laughs) at wild underscore black. We monitor those platforms. We talk on those platforms. 
We are present on those platforms. We invite your conversation, your dialogue. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you want to hear. Yeah. The business is handled. So let's get back to what we got going on today. All right, you want to take them through, uh, Man, I guess, bio, brother? I, I, my pleasure, my pleasure. I'm excited brother. today, fellas. Yeah. I'm excited. All right, today's guest is a distinguished attorney and social justice fighter. He is known for taking on and dropping the giants that stand in the way of his clients and beliefs. He ensures advocacy and activism for the underrepresented and oppressed and represents several high-profile cases such as NFL cornerback Desmond Merrill, who was choked by a Henry County Georgia police officer, y'all probably remember that, and the Savage family as they fight for their daughter's rights in the midst of the R. Kelly situation. And everybody, just keep in mind, we, we are here to talk about the social justice, so I'm going to tell you right now, we're not going into the R. Kelly situation. We're here to talk about black folks, social justice, and how we can become better. So if, if that's what you're listening for, I apologize. You might want to drop this now. <laughs> All right, so we want to hear a little bit from you, brother. Gerald, tell them a little bit about yourself, man. Man, I just appreciate being here with you guys on Wild Black. Uh, I'm an attorney here in Atlanta, Georgia, born and raised, been practicing law 14 years. I've had the pleasure of handling some of the most high-profile cases in Atlanta and now in the nation, uh, the Atlanta Public Schools cheating scandal. Uh, of course, Desmond Morrow's case, the Jaheim Herrera anti-bullying case, mm-hmm. uh, just to name a few, and of course, the R. Kelly case that's going on right now, uh, as well as been involved in the campaign uh, for Stacey Abrams, uh, was one of the ones who was supporting her. So just been doing a lot of work uh, around social justice. I am the vice president of the Atlanta chapter of the NAACP and the vice president of the state conference. Come through, NAACP. NAACP. Come on. Uh, we the oldest, the coldest, and we the boldest, the most cussed and distressed. <laughs> so we still in the fight, been in the fight 110 years, and we will continue to walk in the shadow of our ancestors like Fannie Lou Hamer, uh, like uh, Mega Evers, like the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Sr., uh, Roy Wilkins, and, and so many others, uh, Walter White, and, of course, my favorite, Thurgood Marshall. Okay. Yes, indeed. I hear that. He said that was some pride, mm-hmm. too. We almost had uh, Fam- Fannie Lou Hamer as the dope coat today, but uh, we went a different route. Okay. We went a little bit different route today. Sick and tired of being sick and tired. That's mm-hmm. it. One of them. That is it. One of the things we always do here is we want our people to get a chance to know who you are, right? And yeah. we do it in a kind of cool, kind of fun way. Uh, so we do what we call wild black shit. And it's three questions. I'm going to jump in with the first one. And then uh, Art's going to hit you with the, the second two and our most important one. This is the fun question, right? What did music teach you? And before you answer, I'm going to give you an example <laughs> of the format of how this question should be answered. And then I'm going to let you think about it. I'm going to let Art answer first. But. He ain't give you a whole bunch of context. Right. Right. You, no, you, you, you said what, what did music teach you? Yeah. Yeah. What, what did music teach you? Uh, so listeners, music taught me, BBD taught me Never to trust a big butt and a smile. And Uncle Luke taught me to don't stop, get it, get it. So, <laughs> wow. All right, bro, what did music teach you, man? <laughs> hey, the first thing popped into my mind is everybody know for the 99 and the 2000, and then the beat <laughs> drop, right? Like I used to love, like I used to love, like when that when you you when you heard it, and then all you need to do is just start looking around. <laughs> you knew it was going to be showtime. That's 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 the one thing that popped into my mind. But man, music taught me so much. Uh, <laughs> fun stuff. Uh, I love this this um, Jay Z line. I'm not a I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man. man. <laughs> love that. Love that. Oh, I, I like to live by that one. Like, hey, if I run my life like that. And I, I treat myself as a business with that level right. of discipline and that level of, of attention, I think. 
Too short taught me about freaky tales. Too uh, short. Oh, too short dope too. Too short dope. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so many popped in my head last night when I was typing this out. I was like, this is gonna be fun. Mm-hmm. Gerald, brother, what has music taught you? Man, music taught me a lot. I mean, you know, Outkast taught me Southern Playlistic Funky Cadillac Music. Ooh. Uh, get up, get out and get some. Taught me, you know, hit them up. Uh, Nas taught me ether, you Ooh. know. And so, I mean, it's a lot that music has taught me. Uh, but the most important, it just seems to reflect back to the South uh, with Soul Food and Goody Mob, even though I'm a little upset right now at one member of Goody Mob. Understandable. But we're not going to go into that. Right, understandably. Yeah, uh, yeah I, f- I felt some kind of way yeah, myself. I, I did, too. Ways. Yeah. I was, I, I was disappointed first. Yeah. No, no, I was angry first. Disappoint a second. Well, as, as an activist, especially an Atlanta area activist who's a true activist, I don't remember ever seeing CeeLo on the front lines being hit with bikes mm. by law enforcement. So until I see that, mm-hmm. don't call anybody's activism for our people fake. Please. And yes. thank you. Yes. Was it who, um, who opened it up? Was it uh, uh, with the uh, national anthem? Well, I mean, I didn't see it. So, I mean, I've been... I didn't see I've it either, but I knew about that one. for two oh, years. Oh, I heard it. So, I, 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 I looked and was... Oh. You've, been, you've been hyperactive in the NFL protests. Oh, man, from the very beginning. I mean, we were part of the call for the boycott yeah. two mm-hmm. years ago. Uh, we called for a meeting with Roger Goodell, which never happened. And then we, we initiated the boycott, which continues to go. We've seen ratings crater. We saw the Super Bowl, the worst Super Bowl... Uh, ratings in 10 years, yep. and then we also okay. saw from the media reports, because we didn't watch the game, it was the worst halftime show ever. Yep. Uh, and we tried to get them not to participate in the halftime show. We had 84,000 individuals sign petitions. I was so disappointed. So, you know, it's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. I respect the artists uh, for them attempting to articulate their argument, but again, when you're standing on the blood of our brothers and sisters who've been murdered when they were unarmed by police, you need to be very careful because history will not remember you very well. I want to send a special shout-out to our brother in arms who's still in the struggle, Colin Kaepernick, for taking a knee for our people. Racial injustice and and, uh, racial discrimination and police brutality are very in the forefront of the African-American community's minds. And when you take a knee and stand for us, we will always stand for you. So he's the modern-day Rosa Parks. That's it. The new version of Muhammad Ali, and we stand with him. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing that I love that has come out of this Super Bowl here in Atlanta, I love the fact that they tore down that mural two days before. Because you got a chance to see just how quickly we can recover and get back. Because they tore one down, and what, didn't seven more go up? Seven more. Shout out to Fabian Washington, the superstar, my brother in the struggle for kicking off Capra Bowl, and uh, the people of Atlanta showing what Atlanta really is. You yeah. know, it's the birthplace of civil rights and the new birthplace of social justice. And we will not be deterred, no matter who you put out front, That's it. to attempt to quiet the people. The masses will always respond in this new movement. And brother, mm-hmm. just know you have an invitation to come on Wild Black and talk your shit anytime you want to. I think I might take you up on that. Open. <laughs> Open. Now, going back to the question, though, because we kind of deviated. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. deviated. Hey, I, I told I like, y'all it was going to be a good one. Right. I like that Nas Ether. Nas you, Ether. You opened that one, you opened that one up. That That's one. applicable to what he does Ooh, on a daily basis. Yes, because yes. People, people need to understand, you know, don't let the bow tie fool you. You know, on any given day, I throw on the hoodie and the A-hat cock to the side because I'm from Southwest Atlanta. There you go. So, yeah. you know, people try to drag my name like a certain celebrity, and we drag back. 
Yeah. You know, because we are fighting, literally fighting for the lives of our people. Amen. And for people that are disconnected, they need to reconnect with the grassroots. And so, you know, we always have our little issues. We can shoot back and forth. Mm -hmm. Somebody tried to drag me on IG. We responded in kind in a meeting. Uh, and, you know, so that's why I said ether. Yeah. I like, I like that. I like e that. Ether fits. Ether works. Ether, ether applies. Yeah, absolutely. Because it applies to the struggle. You can, you can, yes. You can look at them bars and say, oh, this is this is life. All right. Second question on the wild black shit. You've had your fair share of time on popular news and opinion shows. Mm -hmm. What's your least favorite opinion news host or correspondent? Tucker Carlson. But I'm, I can't. That was my too. You know, bro. I mean. The questions that he asked about the NFL protests and about our struggle with Mr. Cap, not really knowing that, you know, I played football. I know football. Even though I haven't watched in two years, I know quality when I see it. Right. And Colin Kaepernick's one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the league as we speak right now, let alone two years ago. So when he started to talk about the statistics and didn't realize I could fire back with the statistics and be accurate, I mean, he has, what, a 97 quarterback uh, rating. He had 14 touchdowns uh, to three interceptions. I believe that's what I remember the numbers being again. I haven't watched in a while. Uh, so he's clearly capable of playing in the league, but we have a league uh, that wants to blackball an individual like they're a modern day plantation. Mm -hmm. We're not on the plantation anymore. And so what the NFL needs to understand is until you do right by all African Americans, there's going to be a problem. It wasn't the president that started the boycott. It wasn't right. the right-wingers that started the boycott. It was African-Americans that started the boycott. Right. And trust me, you saw at the Super Bowl, there are a lot of African-Americans still not watching. That's right. Mm -hmm. I, I am very much one of them. I didn't go to a Super Bowl party. I didn't look at a Super Bowl performance. None right. of that. Brother, I was watching Lifetime with my wife. There you go. With, with, yeah. with Tucker, mm. everything about him... Uh, no, he. When I see him talk, the facial expressions we all know him. He is this. He's anti African American. He is this this privileged jerk of a white dude, and it it irks me to my soul. And I, every time I hear him talk, I want to scream at him that it's obvious that you don't understand the oppression that we speak of when you think that our monetary value, our net worth, can deflect it. Yeah, it's like because you make millions doesn't mean you don't feel the impact of oppression. It may help you to survive it. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. To a point. But at the end of the day, when you get pulled over and the gun is in your face, yeah. the bullet don't give a damn if you were $7 million or two. And here's yep. what I think Tucker needs to understand. That when you are in your silo of right-wing media, you don't really understand that this is a multicultural country a country that's browning, a mm. country that speaks to inclusivity, and you look real asinine when you're only speaking to one segment of the population. We have our brothers and sisters, our people of color, LGBTQ, 
and, and everyone else that feels completely marginalized in this moment. Mm-hmm. But what they need to understand, the history of marginalized people is overcoming the marginalization right. and becoming that's the majority. What we do. And that's what's going to happen. So he needs to understand, be careful what you say about our people because our people are resilient. Yep. And, and, and keep in mind that right now, today, as we sit in five states, they have become minorities. Yes. And already, I, this think, one. I think they're predicting, was it 2044, that it should be that way in all states? I think, yep. that's, it, the, I think that's the number. United think, States will become a majority minority, minority. nation mm-hmm. by 2044. It's very difficult for me to believe that they don't understand what's happening in the country. I, I, I think, think they do. I almost feel like it's like their last stand. Yeah. Like, oh. hey, this is my last, like, battle cry to arouse the individuals that are, are of extreme um, bigotry and racism in order to oppress or to continue this system of oppression. When you back a dog into a corner, it barks but, but, loud. But here's the thing, and I think that they would stand to watch Black Panther a little bit harder. Because what you saw was a highly evolved society of people of color that were not trying to oppress anybody else. We're not trying to oppress anybody else. Mm -hmm. What we're trying to do is to maintain our beliefs and value system and our life and live. And when you try to take our lives, that's a problem with you, Mm. not us. And so we're just trying to live. I want my child to grow up in a world that was better than the one that I received, not worse. And so when I think back to what my dad taught me, he said, listen, I strived very hard in the, in the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s. So the 80s, the 90s, and the 2000s would be better for you. That's right. And now for his granddaughter, now that he's passed on the glory, I would be less of a man Absolutely. if I didn't make the new millennium better for her and everyone that comes after her. So what we need for people of uh, non-melanated skin to understand mm-hmm. is this is not about us trying to do to you what you've done to us. It's about us finally being seen as a full person with all rights and all privileges of this country that we built. Listeners, welcome to Wild Black. Yeah. With the history of a certain people being the oppressors, right? Heavily, Mm -hmm. heavily oppressors. Right. Mm -hmm. Do you think that they are aware of that situation and... My perspective would be, and this is a question, that not only do they they know what's happening, they are aware of what they're trying to do, and they want to continue this thought process of oppression, and they don't want that oppression to stop, because that's how they built their mental construct of America. Yeah, I think that certain demographics and age groups want to see it continue. Mm -hmm. So I would say people above the age of 50, because you have to remember that 50 years ago, we were still in the civil rights movement. So mm-hmm. those people still alive. And it's still in the game. Yes. Yep. And so those people still are lawmakers. Yes. Oh, yeah. In, <laughs> in the game. Yeah. Policy yeah. makers. So <laughs> when you understand that, you understand the ideology of white supremacy that is continuing to permeate from places, high places. Mm-hmm. But when you start looking at a uh, multi uh, racial generation that I came from and below, some of us don't even understand what's going on in the minds up there. Mm-hmm. We were taught. And we, we watched Eye on the Prize, and we thought civil rights movement was over. And then Donald Trump got elected. Right. And then we realized Revitalization. that was very real. But we also realized what our ancestors had always taught us. So now we're using the tools of our ancestors to fight back. But what they fail to realize is our great-great-grandparents who were slaves 
had instilled in us, one, the ability to be resilient, two, the ability to educate ourselves, and now three, to mobilize with that resiliency and education to destroy the system of white supremacy once and for all. Mm. You don't just have one third good now. You got thousands of them. Mm. So voices. once everywhere. you understand that, you understand that we will win this battle that we're in, but we have to make sure, one, that we are very clear on our demands, two, that our politicians that look like us have our best interests at heart, and three, if they don't, we get rid of them. Stealing, wait stealing wild black shit. I can't wait to his answer for the last one. Oh, man. I, so I'm going to tee this one up. So third question. This is the final question of the, of the wild black shit section. Okay. Portion of the program. This is our signature question, and we ask every guest this question. And, and all of our listeners, they generally love the responses that come back. And there's usually a, a pretty consistent theme that I already know you all, because you've already kind of brought it out. But let me ask you this question. Mm-hmm. What do you love most about life while black? He started smiling. It's going to be a good one. Man, um, being a black man, I just love the fact that you always counted out, but you always overcome. No matter what hurdle or obstacle was placed on you. You know, statistically speaking, I wasn't supposed to live past the age of 21. I'm 40. Mm-hmm. I've been to the best schools that money can buy. I have participated in things that no one thought was possible. I've met some of the most powerful people in the world and told them, you're going to respect, like my brother T.I. said, you're going to respect this hustle. And that's what I love about being an African-American man. The fact is that we are the most endangered species because of the ability that we contain. And I just love letting that ability out so that the next generation sees this is what it means to be a black man. Mm. From all black men and My black man. women, put some respect on our names. Yes, to quote another <laughs> <laughs> musician, rapper, artist at Breakfast Club. Yes. With passion. Yeah. Put, 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 put some, some respect, respect on, on my name. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> With a K. Well, brother, you know what? Let's you ready to move into this. Yeah, this yeah. Dope let's, quote? let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So our next section we talk about is a dope quote. And we generally will talk about, we'll, we'll pick a quote. And we'll, we'll discuss it and kind of go through it. This quote... Hey, before you read that, I, I want to say one quick thing. Uh, I love the quote we get ready to go over, but the conversation that we've already had has inspired what I'm going to call a secondary dope quote. And <laughs> I, I don't know who said it, but it's on one of my T-shirts. It says, don't let your new president be the reason you catch these hands. I don't know who said it. We'll go back, back to business. You Sorry, know what? Brother. You want to talk about that? You want to talk about that? <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. <laughs> yes, you all is. All right. So, Bobby Seale. Revolution is about the need to re-evolve political, economic, and social justice and power back into the hands of the people, preferably mm-hmm. through legislation, legislation yes. and policies that make human sense. That's what revolution is all about. Revolution is not about shout-outs. No. And I mean, that's absolutely correct. And I was spending a lot of time yesterday and the day before, I was actually down at the state capitol, and just looking at the new legislation that's coming down the pipe. There are 250 new bills. A lot of people don't know that. You can go to ledge.ga.gov to look at them. And I looked at the social justice platform that is now being contained in 
new bills. There are three new bills to remove all symbols of the Confederacy. There are bills to address voter suppression and the attempts by the suppressor-in-chief to remove people from the rolls. But up, all because we have been marching and protesting and shutting stuff down. So for all the folks that say, man, all this marching ain't doing nothing, the marching is to raise awareness, to put pressure on our elected officials to do what we elected them to do or vote them out. Mm-mm-mm. Nice. Suppressor in chief, uh, I, I would assume that's Mr. Brian Kemp. That would be uh, <laughs> former Secretary of State Brian Kemp. Yes. Sir, you are not invited to Wild Black to speak, just in case you were wondering. Or the barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that, that, that not, opens not, up. Not my governor. State's right. my governor. Right. Shout Easy. out. I need a t shirt that to says Stacey that. Stacey Abrams. Man, did, not y- my did y'all see? The uh, response to the State of the Union? Absolutely. That's a powerful system. That was wonderful. That was beautiful. I love the way that she communicates. She communicates with intention. Like, her words are intentionally crafted and structured to ensure that you receive the message that she is intending to exactly. relay. Like, it is it is no, like, if you if you listen to... You hear her, you understand her, and you feel her. It's quite clear. Cor- it, it, the concise. clarity around what she is saying, if, if you invest that much time in, in being really clear, you pretty committed to making sure whatever you're communicating, That's you're right. bought into it. So that is what you are going to do. Yeah, it's the essence of who she is. I, I've known Stacey since I was 19. Uh, one of my professors, uh, Dr. Janetta Cole, who was the former president of Spelman, mm-hmm. and then came over to Emory University to teach an anthropology uh, section, uh, invited me to her house. And I met Stacey Abrams when I was 19. So she must have been like 22 or so. She was in law school. And Are I knew at that point, this this is going to be a powerful lady. Hopefully, uh, if she decides to run for governor, again, the first African-American governor from Georgia, but I hope she runs for Senate. Yeah. And she'd be the first African-American senator from this state. Or mm-hmm. she could run for president of the United States. Either one I would approve. Mm-hmm. You got my vote, Stacey. Stacey, from my lips to your ears, on behalf of Wild Black and everybody who comes through Wild Black, you got these votes. Yeah, you... you these are, votes I, is yours. Yes. And you can bring the potato salad. Right. I'm quite sure. <laughs> at the barbecue. Yes. And the mac and cheese. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we want to... Bottoms can come, too. You know, she she definitely in the building. She can't bring the mac and cheese. She can't bring the yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't get me started on that one. I know, I know, I know, I know. Don't I get know. me started. We got two bodies. So, Keisha, when you address the two unarmed African-American men that were killed before the Super Bowl on your watch, then we can talk about coming. I don't know nothing about... What's that about? I didn't know anything yeah, about that. The, uh, Deatric Griffin and Jimmy Atchison. Jimmy mm-hmm. Atchison was murdered... Uh, by Atlanta police on January the 22nd, 2019, a few days before the Super Bowl. And nobody has heard about this Like, case. I'm normally in tune. I had no idea about this. It's all on my social media. Uh, and we are still requesting answers from the mayor and the police chief about why Mr. Atchison was shot in his face while he was unarmed, exiting a closet in Allen Temple Apartments, right there in the heart of Southwest Atlanta. I have, I have plenty of questions about wow. what... How did, all of a sudden Atlanta didn't seem to have a homeless problem like that? That's the one that caught me by surprise. Like, wait a minute, I, yeah, they, I they, pass by here all the time, and what, what's going on here? They pulled an Olympics move again. They, sure and they did. shipped everybody out. They so, sure did. You know, as much as I want to be, you know, pro uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms, right now we got some questions that need to be addressed, like the Gulch situation where there's no not going to be any affordable housing mm. uh, for the citizens of the city. 
Uh, the issue with police brutality, I know of at least six cases uh, right now. Uh, and and the relative radio silence during the Super Bowl of any issue that dealt with social justice, because social justice is about police brutality. Amen. And we're not addressing that. So, Amen. Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea that that even yeah, happened. Yeah, that one pretty heavily. I heard I heard a glimmer of I hear nothing. And then it was kind of like, okay, that's yeah. Well, the association knows all about it, and the National Association is on board doing the investigation. So we're gonna get to the bottom of that. Good. Good. All right, cool. Well, we're going we're gonna to move into our um, our civil rights, civil wrong, and I've added a, a new section just for today because, okay. like, the information that I think you you bring to the table is too powerful to not take advantage of. So, the civil rights, civil wrong. I want to have a real quick conversation about this. Very simply, the folks that are too woke to vote. What is your opinion on the? <laughs> <laughs> I wish this was one of the first times. I wish we had video. Man, yeah. <laughs> What is your opinion on the two woke to vote crowd? Well, first off, if we had voted back in 2016, we would not be in this situation. So this is a teachable moment uh, for all of my brothers and sisters that are too woke to vote because the right to vote is the most precious thing we have. It is the essence of revolution because it's the only way in this country that you can overthrow the government peacefully. You can elect a new president, uh, a new senator, a new governor, a new city council person, a new mayor that could change and rewrite all the laws. In Georgia, you can elect the Supreme Court justices. And so for my brothers and sisters that are too woke to vote, I think they were just asleep during civics class. Mm. No shade. Uh, But what I'm saying is I'm not on this front line marching and getting hit with bikes by Atlanta police for people to exercise their right to sit on their hands. That's right. You were listening to Russian trolls who thought it was a good idea to not vote. Uh, so, you know, quite simply, if you don't vote, you don't matter. That's right. And you saw that. It doesn't take my friend Reverend Jackson to have to tell you or my friend Reverend Al Sharpton to have to tell you. Now you see for yourself what's happening with your rights being rolled back because of the lack of voting in 2016. Yep. I look at it like this. You hear so many people say, um, the system isn't broken. It's working just how it's supposed to work. Yes. And I, I agree with that. But I think voting, especially in the times that we, are, that we are in today, is our opportunity to use the system that they built to exclude us to win. And that's exactly... At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You're exactly right. And, and so here's, here's the hard numbers. 61% of the electorate in Georgia voted in this previous gubernatorial election. Right. We only lost by 150,000 votes. If 75% had voted, Stacey would have won yep. by 500,000 votes. convincingly. So... When you say your vote doesn't count, it doesn't matter, you're right. You're allowing the system to work the way the system was designed to work. But when you participate in the system, you force it to work for 
you. That's it. So yeah. if we, if we show up and bust the margins, if we all show up to vote like we show up at Beyonce concerts, yep. you wouldn't have nothing to worry about. You would yep. have people that have your best interests at heart, and that's why it's so important to vote. Yep. You know, another thing, I, I'm in the courtroom every single day, and every single day I see people trying to get out of jury service. But then Eckling. at, at marches and rallies— they want to talk about the injustice in the system. The reason why the system is unjust is because people that look like me and you are not are participating juries. in these juries, and so right. we keep getting mm -hmm. these results. Yep. So in order for us to fix this system, mm -hmm. we have to infiltrate the system and make it work the way we want it to work. So you got to vote, and you got to serve on juries. That's as plain and, and, and as simple. And listeners, you got to think, and when he's talking about that that um, voting, not voting, I'm sorry, when he's talking about those jury selections, when you get that summons, think about it like this. It's, it's not just a police officer who murders an innocent black child that you can send to jail. It's these corporations that you got problems with. It's, it puts the power in your hand. And like Eklund, I want to give her all the credit. Like she said on the early she episode, sure did, man. you talk about wanting your power back, but you are steadily giving it away to go to your job and use the excuse that you're going to lose. That is technically illegal. It is illegal in Georgia. Get out there and support. The other thing I want to say is, um, for all those people who always are talking about, I want the system to change, if you get your ass up and vote in huge numbers, the system will start to change. Mm -hmm. Because one, you'll force the change. Two, the powers that be, to as much as they can, will recognize that we have figured the system out. And I promise you, they'll begin to try to change it. But that's when your vote becomes even more powerful. Get the asses out and get the ones in. Who you feeling? Who are feeling you? Who've got your interest in and heart? And then remember, it's more than just voting. Mm. It's about civic engagement and Amen. making sure they're doing what you want them to do. Just Thursday, I showed up in the Judiciary Committee to talk about the reclassification of marijuana, moving the amount from one ounce to two ounces mm -hmm. and making it for one ounce, only punishable by a $300 fine. Mm -hmm. That is how you hold people accountable and speak to issues that we talk about in criminal justice reform, That's that right. we talk about in social justice. So it's more than just marching. The marching is to raise awareness, to show uh, the elected politicians, yeah, it's about 5,000 people we outside. Here. We here. We here. So yeah. now I want you to do what I tell you to do. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, those 5,000 people are going to go to the polls and vote you out. It's about a show of power, a show of strength. And that is what the marching has led to. The marching in the 60s led to the Civil Rights Act. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It led to the Voting Rights Act. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's about raising awareness. And so for us to say we're tired of marching, well, I mean, are you tired of your job because marching got you your job? Are you tired yeah. of your education because marching got you your education? Are you tired of your health care, which they're trying to take away? Yep. It got you your health care. Yep. So, I mean, I'm not tired of any of those things. Yep. I like this question more and more because, ironically, we are all on the same page. Yep. Like, our responses to it are, are very similar, right? Mm -hmm. However, the intent of that question, to woke to vote, is about the people who aren't on our page. Yes. Yep. Right? So, when I think about that, I kind of step back and say, I see the importance. I know the value. I understand the educational element that actually got us that ability. Mm -hmm. For the people who don't believe in the system, that don't believe in, in the government, that don't believe that their vote matters or counts, what would, what, like, what, first, why do you think that is? And then second, what, what's the message for them? Like, the, the people who may not go out and say, I'm not going to, 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 check out City Hall. I'm not really about to go get educated, really. Mm -hmm. 
I would say to them, it's a consideration of, are you going to let government run you or are you going to run government? Because just because you didn't participate doesn't mean laws aren't being passed right, to you are govern not you. That's right. Because there are a lot of people out here that believe, well, if I just don't come in contact with the system, nothing's going to happen. Well, you cut on your water, you got the trash, you got to pay taxes, sales tax, if, hopefully you're paying income tax. All those things are being put on you, and if you don't do them, they got a place for you to stay. So, I mean, I don't really understand that line of thinking. Um, I think that it's better for me to use my power as one of the we, the people, to hire the people that are going to govern me as opposed to letting somebody else hire them because they're going to be hired. And mm -hmm. just like we saw with the suppressor-in-chief, if you don't participate, they're going to remove whatever power you had to participate. Correct. That's right. Correct. That's right. So if it wasn't important, why would they be restricting the ability to that right? That's the proof right there. Why, is why would they be doing such this? a big thing That's right now? Right. Yeah. Th there is only one situation in which I wouldn't vote. Only one. And it, it turns into showing power and unity. The only situation in which Vince from Wild Black Podcast would not get out and vote is if I had the assurity that every single one of us also didn't vote. Every one of us. Because it, it, in the very least, what that finally does show is that we have found some type of way to unify our voice. And then, then further, since I don't necessarily believe in the Democratic nor the Republican Party that truly has our interest, then what I think it, it turns into like the game you play with corporate America and your dollars. Then it turns to, since neither one of you all are really checking for us, Democrats think we're going to vote your way anyway. Republicans don't think we're going to vote their way so they don't go after us. If none of us voted, we stand back and be like, look at all of us. It's millions of us. And our vote next election or two election cycles down the line is going to the party whoever gets behind us and makes policy that supports us. Well, and it's a whole lot. That's the only way I do it. Wait, well, here's the thing with that. And what we need to understand is we're in an information age. Mm -hmm. So just merely if the listeners on your podcast decided, you know what? I don't like the Republican nominee. I don't like the Democratic nominee. So we're going to all get together. We're going to have our own nominee. That's it. And we're going to get behind that person. Yep. And we're going to push that they person. Bet. I'm mm -hmm. with it. It happened before. Now, yeah. regardless if you like President Obama, which I tend to like, or not. Mm -hmm. He well. was not the presumptive Democratic nominee when he first started running. True. The people got behind That's him true. in a wave that we haven't seen before that. And we've seen it now again. Unfortunately, it was the wrong way. Right. right. Um, and so if now. you understand right. <laughs> that, you can use the power of grassroots mobilizing to mm -hmm. put the candidate that you want forward, regardless of party. That's right. Think about it. He who shall not be named, 45, was not really Trump. a Republican. Correct. He took Correct. over right. the Republican right. Party. So yeah. what's to keep us doing the same from thing. taking over one of the parties I and putting that. forth the nominee? If it's Stacey, it's Stacey. Stacey. If it's Beto O'Rourke, who I don't really know much about, right. it's him. Or if it's somebody that we haven't even thought about because we got two years. That's it. It doesn't have to be and it's anybody a whole they say. Lot of us. Yeah. You know, it could be somebody that we haven't thought of. Michelle Obama, if you're listening, please run. Uh, you know, Michelle, I second that. Yes, we would definitely get behind you. Please choose Barack to be your vice president. And I that. trust oh everybody God. would show up. Everybody would show yes. up. Yeah, oh. yes. We would mobilize uh, very quickly, that, right? Yeah. Very quickly. Yeah. And we would buy more of your books. <laughs> right. I bought two. Man, this is a dope ass episode. Oh, man. <laughs>
So what I want to do now is I want to open up the Wild Black Anti-Racist Call Center for a moment. (laughs) (laughs) We've never opened the call center That's a newly added uh, portion to the program. It is only for this particular episode because we, we got somebody in the studio with so much information. Yes. And I want to I want to put some scripts out there. So, okay. what we're going to do is I got I got four scenarios. <laughs> wow. Okay. And and for each scenario, I'm going to give you about 60 seconds okay. to answer, right? So, what happens is me as an African American might call in to the call center in which you answer the phone, okay? okay. And I'm going to present the situation that I find myself in. I need you to help me mitigate this okay. with a response. So the first one is... You see, this is what I do every day. Yeah, <laughs> right. Technically, it is. So the, the first one is, is I'm dealing with a racist in the world. I'm calling into the Wild okay. Black Anti-Racist Call Center. And I'm going to let you hear what this racist is saying. And what he's saying is, what about that affirmative action, reverse racism stuff? I mean, my cousin on my mama's side lost his job to a, I mean, to a, to a black boy just because he's black. How do I respond to him? You respond by merely saying maybe the African-American was more qualified than your cousin on your mama's side. So how do you know for a fact that it was just about about skin color? It may have been about ability. We are moving into a a system where it's merit-based and not just race. Cool. That rhymes. (laughs) Hey, that's that's, that South Atlanta coming Mm -hmm. out. (laughs) All right, the second situation. Mm. Alton Sterling, Mike Brown, Terrence Crutcher. They all resisted and got what they deserved, if you ask me. They ought to learn some respect. Respect the police and obey them lawful commands. Well, first off, it's not a lawful command if you shoot a man that's unarmed. The law is quite clear on self-defense, even with regard to police officers. Mm. So to say that they got what they deserved in Georgia and in a lot of other jurisdictions, you have the right to resist an unlawful arrest. So again, the facts are clear in those cases that it was unwarranted, unmitigated manslaughter and or murder. So you have the right to resist an unlawful arrest? In Georgia, you have the right to resist an unlawful arrest. Now, I would not advise in the climate that we're in that you do that. What I would advise is you record and you say, I'm not going to make any statements and I'm not making any fervent movement. I'm putting my hands behind my back. But in Georgia, you have the right to resist an unlawful arrest. Didn't I know that? Didn't I know that? Okay. All right, third situation. Excuse me, Muffy. Um, Hand me my tea. Uh, White privilege doesn't exist. I'm just like you, and I fight for every scrap that I get. Well, first off, you had 400-year head start, so you're standing on the shoulders of individuals who had a head start. So white privilege is the fact that you don't understand the 400-year head start, and then you don't understand the redlining that went on to prevent housing for African-Americans, the loans that were given, and all of the other privileges that we did not have and we have had to fight for for generations. So white privilege is the failure to realize that some people started at the start line mm-hmm. and some people started at the finish line. That's it. All right, the last one. I just don't see why you have to kneel during the anthem. I mean, I'm all for equal rights. I just... Why can't you find some other time or other place? I just don't understand. Well, first off, Francis Scott Key was a racist, and he wrote the anthem anthem to be racist. And then secondly, I would ask you to Google the third stanza and read it to yourself. 
if you Google the third stanza, you would understand that one, it's about more oppression. And two, what Mr. Kaepernick was kneeling about is still going on. This is not about disrespecting the flag. It's not about disrespecting veterans. Actually, Nate Boyer was the one who came up with the the kneeling as Mr. Kaepernick was actually sitting down. And he said it's a sign of respect in the armed forces to actually kneel. kneel. Uh, So it was a silent protest to bring awareness on racial discrimination and, and police brutality. So I would ask that you revisit your history and you understand that we still have America without an anthem. We still have America without the symbols. Mm-hmm. America is about freedom and equality. And the most patriotic thing you could do is to honor the First Amendment. Because it's the First Amendment. That's the right, right the to peaceful protest mm-hmm. and bring your grievances to your government. That's what we're doing. It's the most patriotic thing. Because, again, this country was born on a protest. That's right. The Boston Tea Party. That's so right. were they disrespecting uh, the sovereign by throwing that tea out and saying... No taxation without representation? No. That was the birth of America. Love it. Hey, the call center. I, I enjoyed the call center today. We might have like to bring that back center. at some yeah, point. That was a good, that was a great addition. <laughs> so let's let's get into some more of these questions. Um, first question I want to ask is mm. you are referred to as a social justice fighter. And and given this day and age where there are social platforms and everyone has a voice, what does it mean to be a justice fighter? To me, it means to stand on the shoulders of legends. So the the term justice fighter came from the drum major for justice, Dr. Martin Luther King, and the greatest trial fighter we've seen in a generation, Johnny Cochran. And so what happened was in being a trial attorney as well as a civil rights activist, the two merged and became the justice fighter. And then a few weeks ago, someone gave me the book um, Devil in the Grove, uh, about Thurgood Marshall. And I read the book, and, and I really saw a lawyer from the NAACP change the face of American politics and American law. And so I'm just trying to continue that torch that was passed from my ancestors to get us from seeing on the mountaintop to actually getting to the promised land. I'm not saying that I'm any of those individuals. All I'm saying is the privileges that they passed on to us, we have to pass on to the next generation and achieve the dream. Right. That's Hmm. real there. I'm curious, and I know our listeners are curious too, how did, what steered you into this direction from a freedom fighting standpoint and from a, like from an activism standpoint, like what, yeah, what, 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 what happened to you or or in you that actually steered you in that direction? Well, first thing, uh, when I was a junior or sophomore in high school, I saw an attorney defend a case that the whole country was against and win. And that was Johnny Cochran in the O.J. Simpson trial. And I said, I don't really know what he's doing, but I want to do that. And so that started my uh, desire to go into law. And then uh, once I got to Emory and I saw the Confederate flag flying at Emory University, I said, we got to take that flag down. Uh, I didn't know how to take it down. I just knew we needed to march around or something and, you know, sit in and it would come down. And it came down. And, of course, in my youth, watching Eye on the Prize and, you know, being born in Atlanta, knowing about Dr. King and all the things that happened in the 60s, 
with the civil rights era and, of course, the 50s with the Montgomery bus boycott. You know, I just studied it. And so it all came to a real head in July of 2016 when I was in Nassau, Bahamas, and I was talking to my best friend's father, and he was saying, you know how we got our country? And I said, no, I really don't know how you got your country. Well, we decided that we won't take it anymore. And the world is waiting for African-Americans to get to the point where they're not going to take it anymore. After that conversation, I cut on CNN and I saw Alton Sterling shot and killed. And as I was getting on the plane to come back to America, I saw on live stream Philando Castile get shot in front of his baby. And that all clicked. Oh, we got to do something. And it's got to blend the courtroom and the streets to take back the justice that is rightfully ours. I was tired of seeing police officers getting off because of sovereign immunity and qualified immunity. Those are the terms that get police officers off. So I thought back to Thurgood. Remember, it was a law of the land, separate but equal. That was a Supreme Court case, Dred Scott. But that didn't stop Thurgood Marshall. He put cases in the pipeline until we got to Brown versus Board that overturned separate equal. So why can't we overturn qualified immunity and sovereign immunity to deal with the issues of police brutality and unarmed African-American men and women being killed by law enforcement? What will it take for us to do that? Lawyers stepping up, civilians bringing the cases, lawyers vetting the cases, lawyers filing the cases, and us arguing it all the way up to the Supreme Court and forcing the Supreme Court to hear this issue as a social justice, civil rights issue. So, again, Mm. that's the purpose of the marches. That's the purpose of voting individuals in place. And that's the purpose of making each of the three co-equal branches of the government work for the people. Mm. So help me with this one. Philando Castile and Alton Sterling was your spark, was your catalyst. Yes, um, for the actual marches. Right, yes. right. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, when I when I began to get extremely vocal, it was Mike Brown. Yes, right. When Trayvon Martin was was murdered, that hurt me. It yes. scared me. When Mike Brown was murdered, that motivated me. So, for people listening, is if this conversation is their spark, if some of the words that you have blessed us with today is a spark that that makes them say, you know what, enough is enough. What do they do tomorrow? How do they get started? You got to start organizing. So you organize like-minded people. You can do it in person or you can do it on social media. With Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, you can go into the DMs and make DM groups where you communicate this frustration and how we can solve it. Then you can go down to your city council and demand during the public comment section that they make changes. And if they don't listen, then you grow grassroots candidates to run against them to change. It's like they did in Ferguson. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we can continue this. It's a movement. It's a movement for change. So we need people from all walks of life. We need podcasting because, again, in the civil rights movement, they mobilized using black radio. Well, black podcasting is now black radio. So we have to know and build that infrastructure and harness that anger and that rage towards productive, solution-oriented things. We can change the criminal justice system without changing the law by participating in juries. We can change the criminal justice system by voting. 
And we can also start going to court and sitting in the gallery and letting the district attorney and the judge know the community is watching. It's called court watch. And we can tell the stories of the injustice that is occurring in the criminal justice system, just like our sister Michelle Alexander did. So it's about the entire community getting together, using your skills. You have a different skill than I do. I'm an attorney. I'm an activist. I'm not a podcaster. But you can use whatever talent you have to raise the level of consciousness, the level of awareness to get people motivated because they were motivated when they heard the message. Mm -hmm. Martin brought the message. Right. Now we have to act on the message. And the message is this, to complete the dream so that our great-grandchildren will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And now they won't be shot on the side of the road because they were African-American. If you listen to the I Have a Dream speech, he talked about police brutality. This is an issue that's been going on forever, and we have to end it now. The Groveland Four was about police brutality. We got to understand that we are now in our moment in history, and it's time for us to take our rightful place to say not now, not ever. Brother, I got so many follow-up questions. Like, Man, I don't have I, I don't have enough mouths. Is there a a blueprint or a framework? Like, like what you just articulated, man, it, it inspired me. Is it individuals with like-minded like you are that have more thoughts around how it should be framed or how it should be structured? Yes, it's called Black Lives Matter, and so it's a movement. You know, it's not a moment, and people are connecting digitally in ways that. I'd never thought possible. And, and so I think that we need to connect on that. But the answer is yes. It's just all the people aren't connected. Yeah. And we got to connect the people. We got to connect through organizations. You know, a lot of us have problems with organizations. But you, what you need to understand, the historical organizations, they are old. But they work. So how about we join the organization and change it internally? We remove the stumbling blocks because like the NAACP, they've been doing this for 100 years. I, when I got in the NAACP four years ago, I started learning about people that I otherwise didn't know. Roy Wilkins, for one, Walter White, for one. I knew about Thurgood, but I didn't know about Constance Baker Motley. All of these names through history that have shaped the movement that we now see. Fannie Lou Hamer, of course. Who was, who was the constant Motley? Constance Motley. She was uh, one of Thurgood's right hands uh, who grew, later became, I believe, a state senator and then, of course, a district court judge. And so these are individuals who helped move the movement forward, right. but we don't know a lot about them. And so hmm. what we have to do is to reclaim those names, study them, and use the tools they had just innovate them because nothing's new. It's just we need that innovation. Mm -hmm. Man. Yeah. So, yeah. listeners, it's real, that's ain't the it? nugget right there. It's another one. I done heard so many, man. <laughs> the, the promotion for this episode will be simple. <laughs> you just, I got plenty to choose from. I love, I love the thought of the way, you can, the way you laid it out there. It's like we have, there are black folks who are intended to be leaders, there are black folks who are intended to be inspirers, there are strategists, there are the worker bees, and we got our allies and real talk, we, we, they're killers. They're the ones who come in and, and handle the tactical work. We got all those positions ready to be filled. And right now, 
Got to find a way to bring them together. Yeah. And we need a coach. It's funny, man. It seemed like, it, like when you, as we were talking about it, it seems like an army. Like you do. It's a, 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 a social justice army. Yeah. yeah. Like absolutely. literally. Like yeah. there's individuals all the way down to That's individual right. You got, your, soldier, you got right? your infantry. Yeah. yeah. You got commanders. That's right. You got generals. You got... Yeah. And usually, and, and I learned this about Dr. King, the leader is the one who doesn't want to be the leader. I want to ask Ooh. a question about Chump. So... He has, without question, become like the poster boy for racism, white privilege. White supremacy. And, and we focus on him a lot. Yes. Here's the question. Is our focus on Trump justified, or is that the trick while something else is going on? It could be both. Um, I mean, I, I think we do need to focus on Donald Trump because he is the elephant in the room. Right. But we also need to focus on the people that support Donald Trump. You know, the Steve Bannons of the world, the Stephen Millers, you know, the Mike Pence's of the world who believe in his ideology but are shrewd enough to hide it a little bit. Mm -hmm. I prefer Trump because I know exactly where you're coming from. You know, they're not good people on both sides in Charlottesville. True True story. There were peaceful protesters and neo-Nazis. That's right. Correct. I spoke to one, Richard Spencer, so I know for a fact. But what we have to do is realize that we have to build the same platforms that gave rise to Donald Trump to empower our people. So if there's info wars out there, we got to have black folk, black folk info wars, whatever that would be called. (laughs) Gotcha. So we can educate (laughs) our people and not be distracted by the stuff that is there to distract us. You know, I'm not into, you know, social media beefs between rappers. Right. I, I could care less. Right. I want to empower our young people to understand that they have the ability to do more than just be athletes and entertainers. Right. Uh, because as we've seen in the past Super Bowl, some of our athletes and entertainers are lost. Mm-hmm. And we have to educate them. Educate them in love, but educate them no, because no, they don't understand. That's right. that's right. So you mentioned Richard Spencer, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And for everyone listening, they, they may not understand the context of that. Can you break down what that was about and where they can go find us? Because you can watch that exchange. Yeah, you can watch it. Richard Spencer is the leader of the alt-right. He came up with the term alt-right. He runs a website. I believe it's called altright.com. And we had a conversation with my friend Charles Barkley on American race where we talked about this racial tension that was going on in in America. And so we had me, a social justice advocate, Richard Spencer, leader of the alt-right, and Charles Barkley, professional basketball player, Hall of Famer. And we this is before Charlottesville. And my whole goal was to expose the hate and vitriol that was in Richard Spencer before something bad happened. Uh, unfortunately, I was not successful. But we, you know, we had a conversation. He was talking about white privilege and how he loves white privilege and how he wants America to be a, a ethno state with just white people and, you know, no people of color. And, white supremacy. Yeah, white supremacy. Yep. And so I just asked him some questions about the United States of America. I asked him, did he believe in life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Mm-hmm. He said he didn't believe in that. He said it was kind of faggy. Mm-hmm. I knew at that point that we had a problem here. Because if you don't even believe in the basis of American uh, structure. Right. The things we were built on. anti-American, which is what I was trying to show people Mm -hmm. uh, what Richard Spencer is and the alt-right movement is. It has nothing to do with patriotism. Right. It's actually fascism. And so, you know, we had a conversation. At the end of the conversation, I told him, I said, listen, man, I hear what you're saying, but your grandchildren are going to be brown. Brother, look on his face when you said that was 
Classic. Yeah. And so since then, of course, Richard has spiraled out of control. Y- y'all aren't, Charlottesville. Y- y'all ain't been hanging out. In the oh, no, we don't hang out. You know, I don't hang out with tiki torches and, and uh, <laughs> beige pants and, and golf shirts. Uh, and so the incident happened. Uh, and unfortunately, Heather Heyer was killed in Charlottesville. Uh, Richard lost his uh, verification. And I believe he's going through some personal struggles at this point. But he was just a symptom of the underlying issue of white supremacy that's happening in this country. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing it play out on the highest stages. I mean, the uh, confirmation hearing of Brett Kavanaugh Mm -hmm. and Mm. all of that, what we just saw yesterday or two days ago with the director of the FBI uh, and his Senate hearings, we need to address these issues immediately because the structural underpinnings of this government are coming apart. And it could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. People are getting a modern-day civics lesson in real time about the importance of institutions Mm -hmm. and how they govern and how they can be adjusted either for good or for bad. I'm trying to teach people how you adjust them for good. All right, simple question, probably not really a simple question. I know I struggle with it. What are your thoughts on black folks using the N-word? I'm opposed to it. I mean, the word was used for the degradation of our people. You can't make a bad word good. It's just a bad word. So I don't call another brother the N-word. I don't call a sister the N-word. Now, you know, the people that want to, that that's on them. I know the history of the word. Right. I don't care if you change the E-R to A, it's still the N-word. So personally, you know, I'm into the empowerment and uplifting our people. Uh, once I really was taught by my, my elders. Right. It wasn't appropriate, you know, I put it away. As When I was a child, I spake as a child. When I became an adult, I put away childish things. Yep. My struggle is when I think about it, I don't say it. It's yeah. like for all those reasons. But what happens to me is I've said it for so long growing up, to your point. Yeah. It's, it's, a habit. it's, it's such an easy place to slide yeah. right back into. Yeah. One thing I like about what's happening in our community right now, and I can just think of one person who does it, exceptionally well, is the people that are transposing the word, the N-word, for a king and queen. Yeah. I love that. Mm, yeah. I first learned about that through, through Jay Morrison, a good friend of mine. Uh, you know, he always refers to our brothers as kings, our sisters as queens. Let's empower it instead like of degrade. That. I use that for my children, so yeah. it makes sense. I call yeah. them my young king and my yeah. young queen all the time. Yeah. All right, like so, that. fun question. Yes. For whatever reason, you're charged to put together this Social Justice Avengers, the Social wow. Justice X-Men, right? Yes. Alive or dead, who's on your team? Who's on the squad? Okay, Alive, Tamika Mallory, T.I., um, Deceased, Malcolm Martin, Mega Evers, uh, Fannie Lou Hamer, of course, John Dale Johnson, Thurgood, of course, mm-hmm. Nelson Mandela, I, 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 so many that are coming to my mind just because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's a, it's a Justice League. That's right. Of course, Johnny. Johnny That's right, Cochran. the Justice League. I should have <laughs> Justice League. I missed that one. Yeah. I should have came up with that one. I feel um, bad. It's just so many out there. Uh, Flo Jo, Florence Griffith Joyner. I mean, she was an exceptional track star. Um, Muhammad Ali. Um, <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, I'm forgetting some people. See, I like that question. Right. I love that question. I, I love because you got to Je- think about you like, do. Jesse Owens. Oh man, how could I forget <laughs> Jackie Robinson? Uh-huh. Amen. I mean Jackie Robinson, who said, 
I can't stand for a flag that oppresses me. me. That was Jackie Roosevelt Robinson. Man, you I, 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 I can yeah, see it in your eyes. And of, course, I like said, of, course, of course, I said Martin. Yeah. Right. Because structurally, when you think about that question, you can think about, okay, how would you line out a true justice league today? And then what traits and qualities would you need at these different levels within your organization yeah. that, that exemplify how you would actually execute that target? And then some other people that are I'm alive, alive, of course, Sean King, Lee Merritt, um, the organizers mm-hmm. on the ground in Ferguson, my man, uh, Christopher Mungin, I Am City, Shar uh, Bates, Queen Yanaja, Halone Wolf. It's just so many yeah. that, are, that are here now. That we, it, what people don't need to understand is the spirit of those great leaders from the past, Jay Morrison, Ernestine uh, Morrison, uh, is in people today. Yes. So yes. if you're looking for Malcolm, there are young Malcolms walking around. If you're looking for Marcus Garvey, Marcus Coleman, you know, great, great leader. Um, you know, just so many individuals. And, of course, I would be remiss without Rosa Parks mm. and Colin Kaepernick. There it is. Justice League. All right. Well, the very last question that, related that question. to that. Let it answer. Very simply, what's the first mission? The first mission? Of the Justice League. We taking down the Confederate monuments on Stone Mountain. We putting a dagger in the heart of white supremacy. People need to They don't understand, know the history of that here. Yes. The birthplace of the new Ku Klux Klan was on top of that mountain. That's it. And they carved those images in in response to school desegregation. So when people say these monuments aren't hurting me, you don't understand the purpose of the monument. The monuments are in front of courthouses to remind you that we are in charge of the system. Mm -hmm. It's the very reinforcement of white supremacy. So if you don't understand that, you won't understand why they're fighting so hard to keep them up. They had the march in Charlottesville to protect the statue of Robert E. Lee. That was the purpose. Mm -hmm. And it ended in bloodshed. Right. So what we need to understand is to stop being distracted and lulled to sleep. We are continuing the battle of our ancestors, and we will be successful. And if we're not, your babies and your grandbabies are going to look back at this time and say, Mom and Daddy, what were you doing during the NFL protest? That's it. What were you doing when rights were being rolled back because of the Supreme Court being stacked with ultra-right conservatives that would take away affirmative action, take away all of our rights. I'm not going to be sitting there saying, oh, I was watching TV because the housewives were on. Mm. I'm not doing that. What I'm going to do is to mobilize the people, inform the people, and to cause legal changes and social changes in this new social justice movement. Amen. Hey, ain't no more, ain't nothing else to say, bro. Hey, listen, I, I hope, I hope you all paid attention to what just happened on these mics. It was or what do you think, man? It's so much work to do. And and uh it's a beautiful thing to hear reinforced continuously. Like it's it's like you gotta remember that each and every one of us have a role to play. And then you you articulated it very well. Like we gotta make lives better for our offspring, for our kids, for our families. Like that's our role. That's our job. 
And if you don't start with 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 the social side of of things, then I mean, what else does anything really matter? Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, at the end of the day, man, you can give your kids all the material things in the world. That's not gonna stop a traffic stop from blowing your kid's head off. That's it. At all. Listeners, I, I, all I got to say is if I think you need a checklist at the end of every day. And I think on that checklist, you need to ask yourself, not only what did you do for yourself and your family, but what did you do for your people, your community? How did your actions in that day impact all those people that matter to you and look like you to make their world to matter tomorrow just a little bit better? Because it takes us all to get this done. It takes some type of action or commitment from each one of us to play our role on this team that we just got done talking about that can completely change what our future looks like. And more importantly, what the children of your, what the future of your children and your grandchildren look like. And if you're not doing something on some daily or regular basis, then ask yourself, are you doing enough? And if you need help, reach out to Wild Black. Reach out to attorney Gerald Griggs. Become active in the community. Find the organization in which aligns with your belief systems. Get in there, support, feet to ground, mouth to ear, and make something happen. I'm going to shut up. Gerald, brother, you want to close this out? You got anything you want to tell these people? And vote. I I definitely just want people to understand that we are in a movement and not a moment. Um, Of course, a lot of people got involved after Trayvon. A lot of people got involved after Mike Brown. A lot of people got involved after Philando and Alton. But we're in the middle of this movement, and it's winning. You see it time and time again that we're winning in this moment, and more people are joining. And so what I would just like for you to do is to think about this. At some point in the 1950s, when they were sitting out and not going and riding the bus, people got weary. It was 381 days of a bus boycott. And they thought they were going to lose. And then that moment came when they won. Where do you want to be in that moment when black people and people of color around this country and ultimately the world, because the world is watching, have that win? Are you going to be one of the naysayers that say, nah, man, that one going to never work? Or are you going to be one of the ones that said, man, it worked? I'll give you an example. Tonight at 8 o'clock, I'm going to be watching football for the first time in two years because there's two new leagues. But they said we couldn't bring down the NFL. It's victories like that. Now, I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, man, but they owned by... I don't care who they owned by. The NFL's not getting my money, not getting my revenue. And now there's a place for those 70% of black folks that we always like to talk about who play in the league to go somewhere else. So let's see where the heart really is. If it's in the community or it's on that plantation. That's it. Brother, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, how can the people catch you? How can they catch up to you? I'm on all social media, at Attorney Griggs, A-T-T-O-R-N-E-Y-G-R-I-G-G-S, or www.geraldagriggs.com. Y'all can catch me on the ground. I'm going to be at somebody's protest. I'm going to be in somebody's city council. I'm going to be in somebody's courtroom. I'm going to be in somebody's Supreme Court. I'm going to be in somebody's uh, town hall or committee meeting or on the floor of some legislature changing laws because the law and policy is what creates change. We protest to create policy to legislate away 
the injustice. It's a process. If you're not a part of the process, you're a part of the problem. Amen. Wild Black. Wow. Peace.